Good evening. I'm Marcus Leader, and I would like to invite you on a journey of discovery as I pull back the veil and give you a glimpse of the multiverse through the eyes of a Toltec shaman. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and turn down the lights. You're now listening to The Shaman's Brew. Welcome to this week's edition of The Shaman's Brew. Over the last few weeks, I have been conditioning my listeners for a journey of self-discovery unlike anything you could possibly imagine by offering you specially selected lessons and interviews with people that have been both my friends and mentors, as well as my personal heroes. Carlos Castaneda Robert Monroe and Thomas Campbell are legendary cornerstones in the field of human consciousness, and the information they have brought to the world will be instrumental on your own personal journey of discovery and evolution. Once I have completed bringing all of those who wish to take this journey up to speed with the foundation of human consciousness laid down by these people, I can bring all of you willing to learn under my wing and begin revealing new techniques in human consciousness control that have never been released to the public. In this show, I am continuing to build your foundation of knowledge with one of the best interviews I have ever heard about the work being done by the Monroe Institute and about its founder, Robert Monroe, who is one of my top personal heroes. This is an older interview conducted by Mark Serto of Gateway Radio, which used to be a program produced by the Monroe Institute. This is a great interview. I'm going to play the complete interview, and since it's almost an hour long, there will be no music or poetry in this show. I now present Mark Serto interviewing Robert Monroe. Welcome to the Gateway Radio Program, a weekly radio series discussing the issues of human potential and technologies. The Gateway Radio Program is brought to you by the Monroe Institute, a research and educational organization dedicated to the exploration of conscious awareness. Here now is your host of the Gateway Radio Program, Mark Serta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Gateway Radio Program. I'm Mark Serta. What you're about to hear really means a great deal to me because it was recorded several years ago in 1990 when my friend Robert Monroe and I were sitting around having one of our many philosophical conversations. If you don't know who Robert Monroe was, he was the founder of the Monroe Institute and he authored several books on his explorations in the out-of-body state. In order to truly appreciate this interview, I want to share with you just a little insight as to who this man was and is to me. By a series of what I now refer to as well-planned accidents, I moved to Central Virginia with my new family in 1984, and in 1988, I opened my recording studio. After a session, I was checking my answering machine, and I heard a very short message that said, Call Bob Monroe, along with the number. So I did. And he asked me a very elementary question about recording to try and ascertain my ability over the phone that I obviously answered to his satisfaction because he suggested we meet for lunch. During the course of that lunch, I began to ask him questions about the work being done at the Monroe Institute, and in his unique style, he answered my questions rather mysteriously, frequently answering with a question, 
and never quite giving a direct answer. That was Bob's way of feeling you out, to kind of get a sense of what your beliefs were so that he wouldn't intrude on them with an answer that you might not like. I think that I really liked that, so I took a position as a recording engineer for the Monroe Institute, and it was to be one of the most definitive stepping stones in my life. Over the course of many years, Bob and I became much more uh, friends than employer-employee. We spent many hours just kind of waxing philosophic and uh, dreaming about new ideas for tapes and different ways of using uh, Hemisync to help people. Uh, one of the things that we discussed was the possibility of creating radio programs that might inform and enlighten people, the product of which you may have by now guessed is the Gateway Radio Program. Unfortunately, Bob Monroe left us before this could happen, so in a special dedication to what would have been his 82nd birthday in October of this year, I want to present to you a very candid and warm interview that I managed to glean out of him. The following is a recording that was made out of a conversation that uh, happened between Bob Monroe and myself in the spring of 1990. It's unlike any other interview that he had ever given in its content, and he had given quite a few radio interviews in the past. And I, if you've ever heard them, you'll kind of get an idea of what I mean. I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, here is Robert Monroe. Okay, well, you can't say that I didn't warn you because this isn't going to be like the questions everybody else asks of you. Bob, what a lot of people don't know about you is how you made the transition from radio mogul to being at the forefront of Western consciousness exploration. Tell me how it was that you actually decided to start the Monroe Institute. Well, uh, let me clarify something immediately so that you can understand uh, what the Institute is and how it got here. Uh, first mm -hmm. of all, all the way back in 1956, uh, my company had been in uh, broadcasting uh, in the production of radio TV programs, and we were just moving over uh, into TV, which would be a natural thing for a production mm -hmm. company to do. Yeah. And suddenly we found out that what we were doing is the same thing all over again, but putting a picture to it. And after some ten years of one thing, and just adding a picture to it, it didn't seem to be very exciting Kind stuff. of boring, yeah. So we began to look for something else. And one of the things that we did at that time is set up an R&D program uh, utilizing sound, which is something that we knew much about professionally and every, every other way, to in turn help people learn things during sleep. Mm -hmm. Now, the learning things during sleep uh, was something that I guess was important to me at the time because it seemed to be a way to use sleep constructively as is against simply lolling all over the place. Mm. Anyway, so we set up a research program and I was one of the key figures in that research program as a subject. I was the first figure. Uh, this is most interesting and it all relates to where we are now. In that... Uh, the first thing we had to do is have a means to get people to sleep. And so we developed, even then, back in 56 and 57, by the use of sound, a means whereby we could help people get into sleep. Hmm. And it created what we now call a frequency follow response in the brainwave activity. Hmm. Uh, this is where it began. But I, as the key subject, went through all these tests, so perhaps 150 times. But... The interesting part is that in this pattern of learning or attempting to learn, going to sleep and learning, uh, I being the key subject, there's generally the consensus now that that was the causative factor that uh, 
engendered my first out-of-body state because um, I went through all of these and we were using a vibrational pattern in turn to induce sleep just as we do now. But we were playing around with a lot of different types of frequencies at that time and I was the subject. And so I began to experience this vibrational state which in turn led to uh, the out-of-body state one night when I was waiting for this vibration to stop so I could go to sleep and I started thinking about the next day, which would be a Saturday, and I was going to be out flying gliders and how nice that was going to be. Mm. And the emotional factor of, of lifting in the surge of a thermal and how nice that was going to, I felt it was going to be the next day, that's when I felt myself bouncing against the ceiling. Mm. And that's how the first out-of-body started. Mm. How that relates now, would you believe that some 35 years later, we finally discovered what we really are and what we've really been doing? And that is? And what is that? We have been uh, setting up stages of sleep in people all these years to helping, for the purpose of help, helping them achieve and understand other states of consciousness, but they are indeed in various stages of sleep. Mm-hmm. In other words, they are conscious while asleep. Mm-hmm. And that, that leads to another factor, and that is that the Institute today is not just one man. I'm just one small part of the process through those 35 years. Uh, Beginning in 1958, various uh, types of people got involved because there was no scientific base to try and determine uh, what an out-of-body is or was. Mm -hmm. But uh, the most important thing is that all through these intervening years up to now, and there have been hundreds, literally hundreds of people from all disciplines participating into make, making the Institute what it is now. Mm. And th- these are engineers, a lot of engineers, physicists, psychologists by the ton, psychiatrists, MDs, uh, professors in various colleges and universities, uh, and a few nice businessmen, as it were, and uh, enough accountants. Well, they're important. <laughs> uh, your initial experiences were chronicled in your first book, Journeys Out of the Body. Considering the life that you were living at the time, how did you find the courage to write such a book about these experiences? I mean, didn't you think it would kind of get in the way, in some way jeopardize your business life? Uh, Journeys Out of the Body, I think, uh, was published in 1971, I believe. And uh, so this had been about 12 years of this. And bear in mind that we started this R&D program to find out about this, and and it was subsidized by my own private company. It was there as an R&D division of my company Hmm. for those many years. And we had, because of that influx of of interested people, had begun to get uh, uh, attention in, let's say, the underground of parapsychology and metaphysical and all this kind of thing. The word seeped out. So in the the 60s, uh, I was very loath to even be public about it because here I was operating, what would it be at that time? Uh, I was operating two different companies with stockholders in them who I thought would take a very dim view. (laughs) So uh, it was very covert, this whole lab operation. And in a in a separate company that I didn't have to answer to the stockholders in this respect. So when in 1971 the book was published, I was very loath to do so, and I would not have done so 
except for the fact that uh, no one I thought in my business world knew anything about this. And I took the courage to test it. I got a, a number of invitations to speak on the West Coast, and I finally agreed to do it, thinking, oh, well, I'll take a chance. And so I appeared, uh, at, I think it was UCLA, in front of some 12, 1,400 people, uh, and gave a talk. And when I came back the next week, sure enough, and no one in the whole business community had never, didn't even hear it, didn't know about it, and it went very So I did about three or four other talks simply yeah. because it, and they never surfaced into my business world. Yeah. So I felt pretty bullish in the sense that, oh, sure, I can produce a, a book and get it published, and, and in publishing the book, they'll never see it. They don't buy those kind of books and stuff. <laughs> that book was published, like, almost 20 years ago now. Uh, you've since come out with Far Journeys, and you're working on your latest, The Ultimate Journey. With all the explorations that you've done over the past 20 years, what's the most insightful knowledge that you've gained as a result of the experiences that you've had that's benefited you in your own personal journey? The things that have come up as a result of, there were a series of changes that took place. And I've gone through, as we all do, but my, because I'm an engineering type, my analytical left brain uh, it purportedly gets in the way, and that's a lot of metaphysical people think that's terrible, that you, you're supposed to let your left brain get aside and live all of this with your right brain. Hmm. Not so. Unequivocally, the any progress that I have made has been a result of letting letting my left brain get into the act. Uh, it's fine to wallow around in some nice exotic state of consciousness. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Da da, ooh, stuff, <laughs> and nothing happens. But if you let your le left brain get a fingernail in there and says, "What's going on here?" So it begins to get into the act and analyze it and assess it and that's when you as a total self really get hooked because your left brain gets excited about uh, the curiosity of picking it up and reducing it to some type of reality that the left brain can understand anything I've done has been the product of my left brain getting into the act. So what you're saying is that you've used your analytical mind to kind of help you integrate these experiences. That is absolutely correct right. and uh, what as you know, uh, in our Gateway program, uh, we insist that people, first of all, get and set aside all of their analytical part for the moment because exactly what we're doing is creating a surrogate left brain for the moment to let the individual get into these states of consciousness. Mm. Once they've gotten into it, we encourage uh, uh, the surrogate left brain to drop away and to let the individuals, the participants' own left brain get into the act. Mm -hmm. And the moment that happens, then they integrate and become a coherent person. And that's the whole reason for you to even have a left brain. That's right. Okay, well, how did you use your left brain to help you make sense of concepts like no time, for instance? Many of your out-of-body experiences that you've had have taken place in the past and the future. How do you make sense of that when you're living in linear time? I... Do I make these statements in Gateway, and uh, and that is that this whole physical universe is a hologram. All time space is a hologram. There is an inherent energy field, but it it and it permeates all time space, but is not of time space. Hmm. Uh, this is 
a created hologram. Mm -hmm. But if you think of that, we have uh, my huge piece of uh, bait for uh, the analytical types and does encourage a left brain to take a look. And that is that we, what we again have been doing is uh, in our latest approach, and I use this in Ultimate Journey, is that what we are doing is developing phase states. And phase states mean uh, that we, our consciousness, our mind consciousness, uh, is focused as we are right now, uh, we hope totally within time space. Mm -hmm. And there's a, uh, we have a focusing device called a physical body. And we uh, perceive time space through that physical body. And also we express in time space through that physical body. It's a focusing mechanism. And within that time space physical body focusing mechanism is what uh, I like to call a discriminator circuit that holds off all of the other spectrum of consciousness. And that spectrum is virtually endless. Mm -hmm. So that it doesn't interfere with the creation and growth of a new human mind. And this phasing of mind consciousness allows you to move through the whole That's realm. right. Okay. If you begin to think of consciousness as the, in this heavily focused area uh, moves into various phase relationships so that it is not always totally focused in time-space. For example, uh, if you have a inattention so that you're not intent you become slightly out of phase mm -hmm. and then as you can see you can uh, begin to observe that daydreaming is another part and it's all uncontrolled is the point okay. phase related so let's say in inattention you're 5% out of phase and 90% phased in time space if you keep that concept moving outward in various percentiles of uh, more of you there than here, mm. or most of you here and a part of you there, you begin to get a beautiful concept or understanding about the way human relationships, mind-body work, mm. and how the human mind works, thinking of consciousness as a spectrum that moves on and on, and you are just penetrating other parts of that consciousness spectrum with this human mind. Mm. So, you get into meditative states, for example, which are one of the very few types of, of phase relationships that is controlled. People uh, control and get into a controlled meditative state. Very rare. And, but you get beyond that and you get something else uncontrolled and you got psychotic states hmm. where a person perceives this other reality and perceives this reality and they can't identify which is which mm -hmm. and so and not being either trained or aware or objective about it they begin to as we call it lose it one way or another mm -hmm. uh, schizophrenia can fall very neatly into that okay. uh, a paranoia can where they see people in woods watching them and these mm -hmm. kinds of things mm -hmm. which to them that person is very much there mm -hmm. that that other state is there but they try to mix the two in that respect, and they cannot do it. So you have these psychotic states. And so if you go beyond that and keep drifting into these various things, we discover, 
for example, that we are like a loose cannon floating along and we eventually drift into a thing we call sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, beyond that, of course, in between, as it were, are all the various uncontrolled states you, you get in through the use of alcohol, drugs, or whatever. Uh, that's another part of that scattered phase relationship uncontrolled. So you're here now and you're experiencing another phase state and that's what's exciting about it, of course, is that it is a a derivation, but it's uncontrolled. You can't turn it on, you can't turn it off. And you don't understand it to the degree that it is. Then comes sleep. And uh, culturally, where sleep is a place where where we, quote, lose consciousness. Well, uh, we lose this consciousness, but we pick up consciousness there that we are into another phase state and our consciousness moves down the spectrum into another part of it now um, that's what of course we've been doing with gateway is uh, helping people learn how to willfully control moving into these other states of consciousness and uh, for example focus 10 is deep into stage one sleep give an idea Uh, uh, focus 12 which is uh, expanded awareness is uh, deep into phase two, perhaps more into phase three. It depends on the individual. Move it more deeply and you get into uh, our famous focus 21, which is right on the edge and perhaps in uh, stage four sleep. And beyond that is heavy delta sleep. We've had enough data through the years accumulated. And it's funny how you put these things off to... Uh, avoid reaching conclusions. But the identification of the life signs of an individual in an out-of-body state in our lab is near identical to those of Delta sleep. And that's, but the key thing is everybody does this during sleep, during Delta sleep. They just don't remember it. Stay tuned. The Gateway Radio Program will be back in just a moment. Peace of mind. For some, an elusive goal in today's hectic environment. For some, a way of life. Hemisync, a patented audio guidance technology developed by the Monroe Institute, has been facilitating peace of mind for thousands of people worldwide for over 30 years. This unique combination of carefully sequenced sound patterns promotes the optimum brainwave responses for relaxation. Hemisync has been proven safe and effective in clinical applications where a relaxing environment is necessary. Isn't it time you have your own peace of mind? For more information about the many fine Hemisync products, access our website at monroeinstitute.org or call 1-800-541-2488. The last real frontier is in space. It's the world beyond death. Today, a new generation of explorers is mapping this unknown territory and are now sharing their discoveries with the world. Bruce Moen is one of these explorers. In his book, Voyages into the Unknown, Moen describes the technology and techniques behind this amazing new inward journey beyond death. He relates his personal experiences that open doors of awareness and includes guidelines for your own afterlife contact. Travel with Bruce Moen over the horizon of everyday life into the land beyond death, a land we are all headed for. A land, he shows us, that we need not fear. This is Frank DeMarco, chairman of Hampton Roads Publishing Company. Five Voyages into the Unknown from your local bookstore or directly from us at 1-800-766-8009 and ask for our free catalog. Visit our website, www.hrpub.com. Hampton Roads Publishing Company, books for the evolving human spirit. 
We now return to a special anniversary interview with Robert Monroe. Okay, well, I want to move back to your statement about this being a created, quote-unquote, a hologram. That has a huge implication. Well, let's put it this way. Uh, again, this is anything that I may relate as being knowledgeable to me is only, can only, unless you have done the same thing, can only be a belief as far as you're concerned. Mm. And uh, I'm much into the process of saying convert unknowns into knowns. And if you can convert a belief into a known, it can only you're the only one who can do this. Sure. You can read about something. Uh, you can hear about something. You can even see a demonstration of uh, something. Right. But until you experience it yourself objectively, you don't know it. Hmm. And bear in mind the other part is that the, all of the restraints involved in this, uh, the biggest one is that fear barrier. And that fear barrier prevents you because you have this heavy survival imprint that's necessary to live here physically. Hmm. And that survival imprint says, oh, anything over there, that's bad stuff. That's death, and we don't want to die. Right. And anything that's separate and apart from this physical body, that's terrible. Hmm. And your scientist goes along with that because he says, well, there's nothing after death. And there's a very simple reason why. He says we can't measure it. The physical body, right. there's no right. life signs, there's no electrochemical activity, mm -hmm. there's no motor activity, there's no brainwave patterns. Death is death. There's nothing. We can't measure nothing, so there's nothing there. Of course. One of the things that I, I went into all this preamble for the simple reason that you don't have to believe me, but uh, the tools that we attempt to provide will let you know these things and let it let you know the very answer to the question you're talking about, a, uh, a creator and created. Uh, my engineering system of me, mind system, inalterably looks at nature and uh, says in nature uh, that a, tree, uh, a leaf, for example, on a tree is a beautiful engineering design. It's flexible. It's got ribs in it so it gets back to the form so it can produce and do the things it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And you can't help but look at the design of that and say, uh, that's evolution. Uh, it just can't happen. But the other part of it is that if you think of that creative process in another way, then you begin to understand it better. Uh, if you look at all the myriad of patterns that are uh, of engineering, of creative engineering, uh, you can't help but admire uh, and I didn't say worship, I said admire uh, the tremendous creative process that put that together. Mm -hmm. You know how you really understand it, and it, it fits all neatly, the origin of species and everything like that. Out of time, um, a creator doing this on an ongoing base, and I say on an ongoing base, uh, a million years is just a twitch of a toe for, as it were, symbolically, right. for a creator. Okay. So, uh, billions of years don't mean anything mm -hmm. because that's not, time is not relative to that. And when you put, get out of that time concept, it, it all makes very neat sense. And if you think of it as, uh, from that point of view, uh, that a creator 
set up uh, an energy form to do this. And the best way I can tell you to say is that a creative process force mind that was and is having a wonderful time doing that. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. If you think of it that way, uh, I don't use the word play, but it's almost to that. It's a creativity um, process that is is very enjoyable to the creator. Can you see how that would be? Sure. You make it sound like God is playing uh, an evolutionary game. Now, let me give you the one that's so much fun, and you can begin to see. So, um, if you were a creator, and you wanted to put a new type of process at work in this earth life system that you created, Mm -hmm. uh, what you would do is say, well, uh, we got to make always all these other animals around, and they were doing fine, but we want to put uh, another type of process at work. So what we would do, if you are a creator, you don't want to make it easy. You don't want to make a, uh, for example, a panther has a magnificent body, a nice mm-hmm. four-legged, do anything, everything else. Right. So you have to make it hard for that new mind consciousness to survive. If it's mm-hmm. easy to survive, there's no challenge. So, so in other words, that new mind consciousness has to get smarts in order to, in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Why? So, what do you do if you're the creator? Well, we don't want to make it easy because it make the force the mind to work. So, uh, the, this creative process creator, whatever, says, well, um, what I will do is I'll uh, let's take a body and it says, first of all, uh, I won't put any fur on it. So that means it has to hustle around to keep from getting sunburned uh, or stay warm and not freeze to death. That'll okay. put him to work. Yeah. So then that's the next thing. So the next thing is, well, let's not make it too easy to for him to eat. So we won't uh, put any fangs in his mouth. We'll take the fangs out so he has to do some other neat way instead of anything that he can bite and tear. Okay. He can't do that. He's got to think of another way. And no claws. So no, we don't need claws. So he he can't climb trees and stuff and so on like that and also rip the guts out of his perspective. This He's really yeah. All these things were taken away. And most importantly, uh, a body that's clumsy to, 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 to move around, a two-legged body is, is doing it the hard way. Huh. It's always basically unstable. And the joints are all stiff and don't aren't flexible. The, the spine is, is rigid by comparison to all these other vertebrates around here. All these things make it hard to survive. Hmm. Why do that? The reason is is to get this mind at work to think, to be, and to create. Don't you see? Mm-hmm. Interesting? Oh, yeah. You sound like you have an, uh, an idea there that seems to reconcile the differences between Darwinism and creationism. In your books, you mention uh, a, gu- a guidance that helps you in your OB experiences. You call it an inspect. This inspect uh, helped you go back to your place of origin, uh, home, as you called it. Would you like to talk about that experience? Originally, when this whole out-of-body activity started, my idea was that I could use this, and I'm thinking, and very in a very noble way, that I could somehow do this and perform and work in this uh, to the service of humankind, mm-hmm. because I could see the roiling mass around me, just as it is today. Uh, and I thought there's some way that that could be helped. And that's that usual noble, virtuous approach. Sure. And uh, then some years afterward, holding to that 
and having met people who had the same approach in non-physical people. I ran into uh, and met and got to know a friend who was non-physical, and we were discussing goals. Hmm. And uh, he said, well, perhaps our goals are different. And I said, well, I don't see how they could be. And uh, he was rather enigmatic about it, and he said, well, what is your goal? And I explained this whole thing about uh, uh, the goal of helping humankind. And mm. he uh, figured, uh, mentally nodded his head and said, well, there are other goals, and that yours is very noble, but there are other goals. And that started me thinking, I said, what other goals? What possible goals? And then I remembered, I remembered going home. And the and the, the varying patterns of color and clouds and, and music that I described. And as I thought of that, I thought, that's what I would like to do. Uh, knowing that this is a, this mass of contradictory humankind was here, what I was really interested in is really taking this experience and going home with it. Mm-hmm. And this became my very, very noble goal, having been there only twice, uh, and this was years later, but that seemed to everybody wants to go home. It's a nostalgia feeling that we all have going home. And that became a prime target. I thought, oh, that's my thing, to gather all this experience, information out of this learning system here on Earth and take it home and help, quote, change home or do something at home, help uh, where I came from. Right. And that was a goal for a number of years, very great goal. Then, uh, so, uh, some years later, I asked this non-physical friend of mine, and this uh, is where probably Ultimate Journey picks up, that uh, in turn, I thought it'd be nice because I was so indebted or imbued with the idea of going home. A little visit again wouldn't hurt. And um, Why not? he said, well, sure, I wouldn't hurt anything, I don't think. So um, he taught me a technique to go. It was called a quick switch method, which is a way that where in turn you take a part of you and you stretch it out to there like a long rubber band. Mm-hmm. And then in turn, you let go of this and you're there. Ow. <laughs> well, anyway, so that got me home. And in getting home, uh, there were uh, the things that I exactly thought and remembered. The, the beautiful, swirling, rainbow-hued clouds. The music was there and everything. And I just lay back and just loved and, and mm-hmm. wallowed in it. I think it's wonderful. And then as I did that, I'm there, and think how wonderful this is to be home. Then, in a moment, after a moment, and a moment, what is a moment? There's no time. That little finger got in there, and that little finger says, "Is something wrong?" And they got me on alert. What's wrong? And I listened and watched and so on, and I watched the clouds. And there, this figure went by, went like this, and here, and then a number of others came by, and then suddenly that same cloud structure came back again like that, and went by. And I watched it happen two or three times. I said, oh, no, 
<laughs> it's a continuous pattern. Uh, so I turned and listened to what I thought was music. Right. And then here was a music, for example, going, da do di da and then a bunch of other music. And then after pseudo type, da da di da exactly the same and exactly the same harmony. And I said, oh, damn. <laughs> and then this great realization was that I, in turn, could... I was in the position that something was terribly wrong. And what was wrong, I realized that I couldn't go home because... I couldn't fit in the glove of right. home anymore. Right, you can't go back home. Yeah, I just simply couldn't fit. Because right. I had changed so much that going home I, was something I couldn't do. I couldn't be. It was impossible. Hmm. And so what I had, I had to do then was come to the great, great realization, and that's why I left home. Why do you think I left home? Because I was bored. And I wanted some action. I got bored. And that's why I left. So home seems kind of boring in its perfection, you mean? That's right. So you left the perfection and opted for the chaos and the physical. You can take any various types of parallels to it, but that's exactly it. But I suffered a very great depression as a result of having that option cut away from me. Mm. And then, of course, yeah. the new option came up, and that was uh, to having met this being that I called an inspect, an intelligent species type, as I call him, and mm -hmm. uh, being introduced in part to what I, I thought was the way to his state of being, that's what I mm -hmm. became my goal then, to become an inspect, mm -hmm. an in, uh, truly an intelligent species. And that went on for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. and, and then after that, that uh, on after maybe a hundred meetings and associations with this inspect in our meeting point out beyond the uh, the interferences of human thought, as it were, uh, then that thing happened that was so significant. I had a meeting with him, and he said, "Well, Robert, this this is our last meeting. We were not meeting." And I, I said, "In state of shock." What? Did I do something wrong? He said, no, you didn't do anything wrong. It's just the fact that you are moving in another direction and you, being these meetings will no longer serve that purpose. I said, but, but, but. He says, that's the way it is. There are some things that you have to understand and, the only, and you're moving in that direction of the other form of understanding. Yeah. And so we cannot meet again. And I said, will we ever meet again? He says, yes, but in another form. And I said, but, but, and he winked out just like that, and I never saw him again. Mm -hmm. So that was another shock, and the uh, result of that is uh, very graphically demonstrated in Ultimate Journey. The Gateway Radio Program will return after these messages. In the age of information, it's becoming increasingly more important to bring ourselves into a state of balance and integration. HemiSync, a patented audio guidance system developed by the Monroe Institute, gently facilitates the optimal brainwave states for learning and relaxation so needed in today's fast-paced climate. 
Backed by over 30 years of research in the area of human consciousness, HemiSync technology can provide the answer to all of your daily stress and help improve your overall performance levels. To find out why so many thousands of people rely upon this marvelous technology, access our website at monroeinstitute.org or call 1-800-541-2488. That address again, monroeinstitute.org or call 1-800-541-2488. Hi, this is Frank DeMarco, Chairman of Hampton Roads Publishing Company. Since 1989, Hampton Roads has been publishing titles on a variety of cutting-edge topics. Visionary fiction uplifts the spirit and promotes metaphysical understanding. Alternative medicine promotes gentler, more effective tools for wellness. And metaphysics gives insights into out-of-body experiences, past lives, prophecy, and Taltec shamanism. Hampton Roads gives you the books that you really want but won't find anywhere else. Visit our website, www.hrpub.com, that's www.hrpub.com, or call 1-800-766-8009 for a free catalog, 1-800-766-8009. Hampton Roads Publishing Company, books for the evolving human spirit. Now, an interview with Robert Monroe. Okay, then, uh, from your experiences and the shifts in your own spiritual goals, if we're not here to help improve the condition of mankind or to go back home, why are we here? Is it all to become intelligent spirits or inspects? Why do we incarnate from your perspective? Why are we here? Well, the fundamental pattern you have to understand, first of all, there are, as you know, I've described it, a number of ways that w- that brought us here in the sense that made us come and be human. And uh, one of the one of the ones is curiosity, of course. And then uh, another is the fact that uh, you perceive this writhing mass of uh, disorganized thought, mm. and uh, you wanted to be a missionary and, and change it all. And there's all these various reasons that. But the key reason that brings most of us in is that we feel that if we can go through this experience, uh, this is what we want. Why? Because we had encountered a graduate of this school of experience. In other words, a person who had gotten through being human and accumulated all the human values. You see, there's uh, this is... we experience it and we're so deeply involved in it, we don't understand these values. We don't even see them, but they're there. And what are we talking about? Well, first and foremost, it's very simple. To to uh, acquire and grow an analytical intellect, a left brain, as it were. That's mm-hmm. one of the most valuable, if not the most valuable thing that we acquire. I can't tell you how exquisitely important and value-filled uh, it is in these other energy systems, not of time space. Take the next thing. We so casually learn to manipulate energy, we don't even think about it. I move my arm. I talk. I'm using uh, what appears to be mechanical energy, but there's an awful lot of different types of energy related to it. Mm-hmm. And I do it very easily, very naturally in manipulating energy. Mm-hmm. Would you know that that experience, the simple thing of my waving my hand, has 
tremendous value in the knowledge and ability to control other energies and other energy systems. It's, it's no simpler than say, well, instead of a hand, you have something else, but you've learned the process of manipulation of energy. And the third thing is that you get into this accumulation of all types of emotional knowledge. And you bring that and you follow and accumulate these. The only problem happens is that, uh, and this is so obvious, is that we get lured in for one reason or other and that saying, oh, I would go through this process a thousand or a hundred thousand times in order to be like that graduate that you meet. Hmm. But the problem is that we in rushing in to do this we say, oh, I'll take a quick taste of it and then I'm gone. It doesn't work that way. Okay. What happens is that we think we have enough energy to achieve escape velocity and go, go on, as it were. Not so. When we get into a physical earth life, we pick up a load factor. Mm -hmm. And these are emotions and these are other types of things. And also, we there's a lot of friction and that reduces our speed so that unknowingly when we leave this phys first physical life sojourn we don't have enough energy velocity to achieve escape velocity so we begin a curve we begin to fall into an orbit and that no one there's no law that says you do this no law no karma there's no, nothing other than you who make this decision and what you do is it's done this way and it's rationalizes say Oh, I got to go back because I had only two children and I wanted four. So you go back and recycle again into another life because you didn't get done what you wanted to do in life. And you come back up here and you're still aware when you uh, exit a, a physical life, you are still aware in those early parts of where you came from and what you are. But each as that orbit decays and it gets less and less, you get less out of that energy field and into this big, powerful human energy stuff. And each time you come up, you think of a reason to go live again. Mm. It's not a, a law of karma that I can find. It's my addiction. Mm. So we keep recycling, recycling, recycling. Do you know, in, and so I talk about in, uh, in and how and all is in the ultimate journey. Do you know how many lifetimes that I know, I've not believed, this is knowing, that I've lived it's somewhere in excess of 2,000. Wow. Well, being that time isn't a factor in the hologram, have you ever explored any future lives? Um, for some reason, I'm not sure, is that um, only there's, there's a limit to that future life, and I think I know why. <laughs> you know why? Because of the fact that this I, uh, composed of, uh, of these thousands of life experience slash personalities, of which I'm but one. So you can think that, uh, if you think of it another way, when I exit here and and move totally into that it of me, that I there, I'm just, uh, I'll, all I am is telling about the latest uh, dream I had at the, uh, the Cosmic Cocktail Party. And it's no more valuable than that. But you see, that's, that's an overview, which I talk about, a different overview that approaches that. And... Uh, I know the reason for the termination of any future life experiences because I 
and all of this I that is so multiple, and a cluster of others around me, we wink out and we go. And that's why there are no more lies. We take off willfully and deliberately. And we have all these options of what we can do. And I don't know which option it's going to be yet. And one of the options is to go back to the Creator. We'll return to an interview with Robert Monroe after these messages. Visionary fiction. Metaphysics. Alternative medicine. Toltec shamanism. New thought. After-death experiences. Past lives. Prophecy. Topics on the cutting edge. Hampton Roads Publishing Company. Books for the evolving human spirit. Visit us at our website, www.hrpub.com, or call 1-800-766-8009 for a free catalog. www.hrpub.com, 1-800-766-8009. Hampton Roads Publishing Company. The science of the mind, consciousness. Throughout human history, mankind has asked the basic questions of our existence. Who are we and where are we going? The Monroe Institute offers a unique series of programs designed to help you explore your fullest potentials and unlock the secrets of conscious awareness. Utilizing its patented Hemisync technology, these week-long programs present you the opportunity to explore your own inner world and beyond. For information on the Monroe Institute, its products and services, access our website, monroeinstitute.org, or call 1-800-541-2488. We now continue with our interview with Robert Monroe. Okay, Bob, I'm going to throw you a curve here, a real tough question. A tough one? My gracious, yeah, that's it's hard to believe. Where does the concept of unconditional love fit into your understanding of how the universe works? Unconditional love. That's... If I could could be tremendously honest about it, I'd have to get a... I'd lean with my concept of what unconditional love is. Where no reward whatsoever is expected from it. Hmm. Love is a is a thing that you can't manufacture. It is a it is a it is a a, a band of energy out of this other field. Here's human consciousness, and over here is emotion on one side. Strangely enough, and on the other side in that spectrum is what I perceive as love. Hmm. Uh, love to me is is how to put it is the creator line. You follow what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's our interpretation of it. Uh, uh, in the creating process, and that is still ongoing because the energy form is still there, and that's what you perceive, and you can't hold it, you pass it through. It's not something that you hold on to. You, mm-hmm. It goes from you to another, and you improve it as it goes. Mm-hmm. Do you follow? No, you but it the significant part is 
that that love form is exactly what the creative process is. Um, the creator of it or the force is, is doing this and performing it and that's so hard to describe because it's not the way we understand love mm-hmm. but unconditional love is just, uh, this whole creative process that produced this system this this physical universe in which we live and us in this earth life system mm-hmm. uh, in turn was um, is done uh, out of what we uh, perceive as love. It is a loving energy. In other words, it's it's uh, it's not physical, but it is a, uh, a pattern that we get into it simply because it is something we understand with this other part. Mm-hmm. And as I was talking about this this it of me, the there is, um, and I was making this as an illustration of the great paradox involved here, and I'll put it in an answer simply so that you have it, is that there is a flick of the original self in each of us. Mm-hmm. And that flick, that part of our original self, is, is that love energy. It's the generating creative force, and there is that in a, in all of us. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we've covered a lot of bases here today, and I know that we can go on forever, but I, I have to ask you this question. If you were to go back to one of your original goals of helping mankind, with all of the information that you've amassed throughout all of your experiences, do you have the most important statement or lesson that you would impart? Oh, my, yes. One of the things that we must begin to consider is that anything we humans can think about or conceive or pattern uh, emerging is what might be construed as local traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to put the other pattern that once you get out on the interstate, as it were, you can see the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't put any exceptions because we. I'm talking about not... Uh, I'm talking about the vast majority of humankind. There are exceptions all over the place, of course. But fundamentally, what we believe as to be important is basically local traffic thought. What we look upon as uh, as being beyond the uh, physical life is so exquisitely limited, it's frightening to me, that it's uh, so broadly uh, misunderstood. Mm. Uh, put it this way, you know, of course, that we have a method by which you get rid of your fear and you realize that you're more than your physical body. That has great implications right away because it means you're not dependent upon time-space input in order to think and be. The next step beyond that, of course, is that you learn that if you don't need the body to think and be, then you survive physical death. I have a thing even beyond that that is so profound, and you can begin to see how important it is, that a physical body can go back to dust and and not be you. But the you that survives, uh, that never uh, was 
physical in the first place, that you is indestructible. And if you can know that, these two things, one, you are free of the loss of being potential if you die physically. And if you add to that the knowledge that you are indestructible in this other form, you can get stomped on anything, raid out of, or you is purportedly, you would be raid out of existence, whatever you can think of. Can't happen. Nothing. You, that you, is indestructible. It's not eternal, it's infinite, if you can understand the difference, because it's not time-dependent. And that knowledge brought back into this time-space can make, to me, tremendously happy and tremendously productive people because they can enjoy so much more what they're doing here, and they don't have it reset by fears all along the way, because they say, no, I die physically, so what? And even that, it doesn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. I'm free. It's that freedom, don't you see? Yeah. Great, great freedom. Yeah. And then the so the question automatically coming up after that is so after you die, then what? And we have all these visions of of, of uh, going and lying on a cloud and playing a harp, or going to the Golden Gates, or, or all these these patterns that we imagine, and they're all attached to physical type of thought or relationships and time-space, which is more to the point. The options after one completes or terminates or leaves this present physical sojourn life that you're living now, you do have the option of recycling again and again and again and again. But that's all your option, no one else's. But most importantly is, is the other options. Then you learn, it changes your perspective on the human thing entirely. Okay, I'm going to get into a territory that I know you won't like. There are some people who would like to call you a legend. In I don't feel like a legend. I just feel like I a know what your feelings are, but you have given a lot of opportunity to many people through your work. Well, I give one final push, and I can't help it, um, because of the way you've been saying these things. Um, I like to be a friend but not a leader, if you can think of that that way. And why? It's a very basic thing. Uh, I don't want that kind of authority because I don't want that much responsibility. Mm-hmm. And those two go hand in hand. That's yeah, an absolute sure, yeah. rule with me, a cause and effect. And if I'm going to be telling people how to do and be and live, no, sir, I don't want that responsibility. Let them go and make their own decisions. Yeah. No one has the ability to make decisions about uh, uh, anyone else the key is you. Mm-hmm. You know more about making decisions than anyone else in this earth pattern. Because you know you better than you, and you won't admit to what you are to anyone else. So you know you. So the decisions that must be yours, must okay. be yours. And I don't want to make decisions for other people. Amen. Amen. And with that, I'm going to end this conversation then. <laughs> Good. <laughs> And thank you, Robert Monroe, for being everything that you were to all of us here at TMI. 